everybody, welcome back to D&J's Epic Quest. I am Gilly, or a.k.a. Justin, a.k.a. Gilly. I got that backwards. Yeah, but anyway, uh, this is... This is Dren, or Derek. I like that you had to think about it for a second, Justin, because I know you just about said Justorian. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not like we haven't wrapped that book up yet, so, at all. <laughs> yeah. And and back with us, we've got HC back. It's been it's been a, a minute or two, a minute or three or four, something like that. <laughs> yeah, but back. it's good to have you back. Good to be back. <laughs> <I'm> excited. <laughs> we we didn't forget about you. I didn't forget about y'all. I'm hard to forget. I'm pretty noisy. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was that noise? Oh, it's just HC. Don't worry. About <laughs> it's just me. Let <laughs> me on mute. <laughs> Well, what's, uh, yeah. what's been new since the last time we talked? With me? Um, yeah. I have almost finished my third book. I wanted it to be finished in July, but it's probably going to be the end of September because I got a little bit behind. But I do have alpha readers now, so I'm in like the end stage, which is really, really exciting. Um, and by the time this comes out, it will be out there that I'm also a semifinalist in the BBNYA awards, which is like this really big book competition. And I probably got the acronym wrong. So <laughs> I probably should have looked before I said that, but that's pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> that is awesome. How is the, is the other one, the SP, the one that Mark Lawrence does, is that still going or is that done? Oh, no, that's still going. It's going to go until next May. Oh, okay. I didn't realize the time frame on that because I, I didn't really feel like I'd seen anything or very much on that as far as like books being cut or eliminated or whatever. Um, well, so. they don't really um, post it outwardly until they have all of the semifinalists. So they'll just kind of do like the individual reviewers will do their... Um, eliminations just kind of on their own and then once everybody has the full list of all just the semifinalists and it's over then they kind of make the big announcement for it but they have been eliminating and they have been choosing semifinalists it's just not over yet i think that they're gonna do the announcement in september or something like that do you have any idea where you stand in that have you heard anything I, or no no idea <laughs> they don't oh. give updates to when the uh like you'll get uh, an update because the judge just kind of reads it when they read it and they cut you when they cut you. So it can, it's just really kind of up to the judge when they want to post about it. Um, one judge did all of her books before the competition even really started. And so she had the full semifinalist and cut list like two weeks after it started. Um, well, that's ambitious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so some of them are very fast. Some of them aren't, I mean, they have a lot going on. They volunteered. So you know, but sure. I think they do semifinalist announcements in September and then they'll do finalist announcements in December and then they do the winner in May, I think. I didn't realize it was such a drawn out thing. Yeah, well, it's 300 books. So it's it's really, really long. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could whittle that down to just about a book a day or a little <laughs> over a book a day. But uh, yeah, it's not one person doing it as a big group of people, right? Right. Yeah. And then some yeah. blogs, like one blogger, I think it's just one person and she's reading all 30 books. And then my oh. group, they have six or seven bloggers that are all that are all doing like five books each or something. So just it just oh. depends on the blog. Like it's all 
like I said, it's volunteer. So it kind of just varies based on how they want to do it. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. Well, hopefully you're still alive there, but it's exciting <laughs> that the other one's going well. Yeah. I haven't been eliminated yet. So fingers crossed. There you go. So what happens when, when, or if you, someone wins? Um, so Spiffbo, um, the Mark Lawrence one, if someone wins, then they are just the winner and you kind of just get bragging rights. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Which is um, fair. That makes yeah. Sense. Uh, no, it's great. Even just being in the competition itself is huge. So, cause you get so much attention on your book and everything. People read it just because it's in the competition. So even if you get cut, it's still, you know, good exposure, which is the whole point of the competition. The BBNYA, uh, is there's a cash prize if you win. I think it's a thousand dollars. So <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> money is money. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I wouldn't money. say no to that. I would take it. <laughs> Wait, you like money? I like money too. <laughs> I like money. I have three dollars. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Idiocracy. Amazing. Movie. <laughs> it's the best comedy that turned out to be a documentary. I was about to say, I didn't want to be one to say it. <laughs> but I was thinking it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. Uh, Derek, should we, should we, I guess, kick this off and talk about Silverstones here? We can do that. Um, per the norm here that we have, we'll just take a moment to thank and recognize Silverstones books. If you are getting tired of us talking about this, then you should just check out their website silverstonesbooks.com check out their uh i guess i look at their fantasy section the most um pick something up find something that's signed i like that stuff um use our promo code dj quest and you get 10 percent off um if you live outside of the united states they can still ship it to you it'll just cost a few dollars more but with our little code that can kind of offset that a little bit um still to our knowledge nobody's used that code to get ten uh, percent off. So um, maybe people just don't like money as much as we do, um, and they want to spend more of it. But maybe they're just waiting for HC to get her books there, and then they're going to use the code. Probably, I bet that's what they're doing. It's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> don't hold your breath though, because I don't know when this going to happen. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm lazy. No worries. Well, uh, as far as our patrons, in order of subscription, we've got Jan, the picker of pies, Luciana and Tregan, Ryan, the topological, Damien, the rock of faces, Nate, fiddle me this, Shield, Anvil, Dylan, and then Quartermaster, Sergeant, Lieutenant Parker. You fucked that up. That's how it's written, damn it. Didn't you copy paste it? I did. It's quartermaster, master sergeant. Or did the audio just blip out and I didn't hear you say master twice? Could have swore I said quartermaster, master sergeant, lieutenant. Oh. I guess we'll find out <laughs> when I add it. <laughs> Maybe I just didn't hear it. <laughs> oh, well. But uh, again, thank you all for your amazing contribution. Um, I really don't know where we would be without your, your support. For sure. And then uh, just uh, maybe something to add here. You and I have both signed up for our ours here so it's i mean it's definitely it's not a, a cash grab or anything like that on our part i mean we're just as invested in this and we're gonna put our money where our mouth is um which is Absolutely. back into the show so yeah and it's kind of cool to see how everything works from that side of things um 
getting the emails on when things have been posted is is cool because now we get to see how that looks and how that functions. So yeah, we get kind of the other end of the spectrum. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I'm looking at the wrong, wrong summary. Give me one um, second here. I'm looking at five and six, but you don't have your epigraph there. Yeah, I was looking for that too. Also, maybe we should have done this before. Um, are we going to discuss voices for the guards in this? Oh, Lord. Oh, wait, I found the epigraph. I'm moving it to the top. It was added to the end. Um, we can just... <laughs> I mean, we don't have to, if you're asking me. I had a voice for the guard. Oh, so, one. Yeah. Well, there only, the, the one... There's only two that speak, right? The one doesn't say... Oh, yeah. He, There's he a woman guard, so I can be her. I don't know if I summarized any of her talking parts because I wasn't oh, okay. was on how that was going to go. But yeah. So chapter five here in Curse of the Fallen is titled The Child of Sky. And the epigraph is no life is more precious than glory and gold. And that is a shadow blade mercenary said by a shadow blade mercenary. The thud of heavy boots could be heard as three mercenaries stood at the entrance to the cave. Nier clutched her sword as her eyes darted between the three strangers. Her heart felt like it was beating in her throat, and her knees trembled as the larger of the two men smiled from ear to ear. The larger mercenary said, Look what we found hiding like a rat in a hull. The woman responded by saying that the bounty was all theirs for the taking. Gil, still in the form of a dren, snarled and whipped his tails. The woman chuckled. The larger man stepped forward and told Nier to turn herself over and he would spare her allies. The smaller man notched an arrow. The larger mercenary said that if she made one wrong move, her friend would get an arrow through the eye. Nier stiffened as the threat at, at the threat delivered to Lork. These mercenaries wouldn't leave without her, so that meant she must fight. Energy burned through her chest as she looked into the eyes of the archer. In the blink of an eye, Nier disappeared from her place and was directly behind the archer. A moment later, her dagger slid across his throat. The other turned as their companion fell to his knees. Gil took the moment and charged the female mercenary, a roar vibrating through the chamber. The woman dodged the attack and Gil slid across the stone floor. The female mercenary taunts Gil. Gil leapt to the side to dodge her sword, but was cut on his shoulder, sending blood flying. Gil went on the attack with a swipe of his paw, his growling echoing against the walls as they continued their battle. Nier shifted her gaze from Gil and his battle to the large man. He swung his battle axe and she ducked. Spinning backwards, she put distance between him and held a defensive stance. Snarling, the large man swung his axe again and Nier evaded his deadly attack. As his weapon moved closer to her, she withdrew her sword and metal clanged. He taunted that the child of sky was nothing but a woman. He kicked her stomach and knocked the breath from her lungs. A fresh cut stung her lip and left the taste of blood on her tongue. He stood over her and swung his axe down. She rolled aside, and as the axe hit the stone floor, he released a vicious cry and swiped his weapon again. Nia rolled again, dodging the second blow, and scrambled to her feet. They stood close, staring into each other's angry eyes. He was there to retrieve the bounty, and the idea if even the meagerest of payments was enough to see him into the most dangerous land of Vleland, even into the haunted caves of Anamaril. All right, and then Nier said, how did you find me? It had been magic that led her to find this, ca this hidden cave. 
Mir heard Gil growl in pain and averted her gaze from the mercenary and watched as Gil transformed himself back into his true form. Gil collapsed on the ground with a deep gash carved through his leg as he shouted and gripped his leg. Mir stepped back as the female mercenary now approached. The larger man straightened. Blood dripped from his arm and splashed on the floor. He told her to give it up as she was now outnumbered. Nir's jaw clenched and she tightened the grip on her sword. Energy swirled within her like a raging storm. The cave shifted with a loud creak, sending waves of dust and pebbles falling from the ceiling. The tree behind glowed and dimmed with every breath. Steam formed around the moat and billowed throughout the large cave. Lorik raced to Gil's side as Nir focused on both enemies, whose faces had the look of fear and confusion. She clenched her fist and the cave shook sending large rocks plummeting to the floor. Both mercenaries leapt aside as boulders crashed down around them. The woman was thrown to the ground and released a hellish scream as her arm was crushed beneath the weight of a boulder. Nier jumped back as the man attempted a slash. She spun to the left and struck at his side. He smacked her arm away and struck her chin with his fist. She stumbled back in a daze. He sliced his axe across her shoulder, and she fell to the ground with a shriek. A deep wound opened her skin and coated her arm in blood. The large mercenary stood over her and gripped her throat. She attempted to fight back as he pulled her to her knees. Under such stress, she couldn't focus on her magic. Pain burned in her chest as she slowly suffocated. Her fingernails scratched his face. She pressed her thumbs to his eyes, but was overpowered by his strength. Slowly, the world began to fade. As her limbs fell motionless, the man was struck from behind and released a roaring, pained scream. Nier fell to the ground and collapsed to his feet. Coughing and wheezing, she caught a glimpse of the mercenary as he gripped a bone protruding from his shin. Lork, Lorky <laughs> stood over him with a bloody iron cauldron in his hand. With a desperate cry, Lork smashed the cauldron over his head. The mercenary's skull split open with a deep crack, and he fell to the floor unmoving. Wide, lifeless eyes stared at Nier before Lork bashed his head in, and his face caved. Gil limped over and said, Hey, that's enough, boy! He grabbed Lork's arm to stop him. Enraged, Lork took a deep breath, his gaze shifted to Nier. He rushed to her side. You're all right. You're okay, Neary. Gil limped over on his slashed leg, and he said as he pointed to the glowing moat, Be a good lad and fetch us some water, would ya? Lork wasted no time filling up the cauldron and returning to his friends. Gil poured the warm water over his thigh. He winced and grunted as his skin wove back together. Lorky, in awe, asked if the water was healing him. Gil snapped to help Nier out. Nier winced and gritted her teeth as Lork poured the wa water over her shoulder. They all turned as they heard a shuffling sound from the debris and spotted the woman beneath the rocks. Lork asked what they were to do with her. Gil said that they, they should interrogate her and find out all she knows. Gil walked over to the mercenary woman and asked her how they found them. She refused to speak and grunted in agony. Come on now, just tell us what we want to know. The mercenary started to mutter a curse when Gil said not to get all snippy on them. Just tell us what we need, and he'll end her suffering nice and clean. The woman breathed quickly. Tears carved trails through the blood soaking her face. She looked at Nier and said it was her, the child. The woman mercenary said that he'll find her, and this won't end with them. She pleads for them to kill her. Lorik strode over and stepped on her injured arm. He said to tell them what they wanted to know. 
She cried that they were given a stone that can track Nier's energy. Lork asked where the stone was. The mercenary said that Keith had it. Nier searched the pockets of the man that Lork had killed and found many, many items. Nier found the brightly colored glowing stone. Gil asked if that was it. The woman begged again to be killed. Gil patted her shoulder in silent thanks. She whispered a prayer to the divines as Gil retrieved his dagger and carefully drew it across her throat. God damn, HC. That's all I gotta say is God damn. I can just imagine Lork just like bashing the fuck out of this Keith's head, you know, just like boom, boom, boom with a fucking cauldron nonetheless. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> it was. You got uh, some unresolved anger there or... I mean, they were just trying to kill Nier. Okay, just maybe there was a person in your life that made you feel like this, and so you're representing it in your story. Hey, look, it's got nothing to do with that, all right? Okay, just just checking, just making sure. All right. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, Laura, he he obviously kind of cowers in the back a little bit sometimes, but whenever, as you can see, sometimes when Nier is really in danger, he sort of steps up and he kind of does what he has to do, and he kind of went all out on this guy <laughs> oh sure kind of yeah freaking I out. yeah i definitely got that sense of um he seems to act when like i'm appropriate's probably the wrong word but like when it's absolutely needed yeah it's yeah. like a passion induced just like this can't be the end sort of it's now or nothing kind of thing right yeah exactly uh this time get a sense of that I feel like it's a little different in my chapter <laughs> where we see the other side of them anyways. Yeah. A little, a little bit. Okay. So the most valuable question uh, in this entire section is how did I do on Gilly's voice? You did great, but I do miss Goblin Gilly. <laughs> what do you mean you miss Goblin Gilly? I love it. <laughs> but you did really good. It sounded really good. <laughs> you sounded like a little halfling. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking about, it's really funny because I was so embarrassed at my performance last episode that I have just been thinking of like, okay, how can I do this? He's supposed to have this like Scottish accent. And for whatever fucking reason, I just kept thinking about like the lucky charms, dude. And um, like how he would talk. And that's just kind of what came out was like, oh, where's me Bodegold? You know, even though that's kind of like more Irish, but yeah, I I don't fucking know. It's just, that's what happened. I thought it was really good this time. I loved Goblin Gilly, though. It was really funny. He should have been embarrassed. I loved it. Okay, well then <laughs> I'll put it up here and there. Well, yeah, just every no, now and then, just like throw in the Goblin so we don't know and it'll make us laugh and it'll be a good time. Sounds good. Definitely you. should not be retired, Justin. Definitely not. <laughs> retired? No, should not be. Why would he I not be retired? That. I'm confused. The voice should not be retired. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right. It sounds good. We're laughing with you and at you. That, you know, I've been told that my entire life. Part of me <laughs> doesn't believe it, though. That's what we're doing both. <laughs> we're not just laughing at you. We're laughing with you. But it's good fun. So, yeah, in um, Chapter 5... Um, the mercenary's name is Keith. I'm sure you probably noticed that because it was kind of random. Very random. Yes. And that is because I added in, um, a lot of background characters or just like 
one-off people or places. I named a lot of them after people that I know. Sure. Um, and this one is named after my first beta reader named Keith. And I told him I wanted to add him to the book. Obviously, Keith is a human name, so I had to probably just put him with the Shadow Blades or like some tavern person or something. And he was like, I don't care what you do. I just want to be the first person that dies. So he became a mercenary and he was the first person that died. Not really the first. I guess the archer was the first, but the first named person that died. Gotcha. I remember you telling us that um, from one of the previous, well, the previous episode. Have you ever thought about like, I guess, un-Englishifying his name? Like instead of it just being like K-E-I-T-H, make it like K-E-Y-T-H or some shit like that. Um, just not, not with his, just because that one is still like an, an old, like that's kind of a believable medieval-ish sort of name, I guess, since he wasn't human. Um, but like my cousin is Nicole and there's like, I'm sure you've seen Avatar Last Airbender. If you haven't, there's like a cabbage guy in that show and he's very random. He just shows up every once in a while. Well, my cousin Nicole is the cabbage guy of my series. She's going to be in every book and just making a little cameo, but her name is Nicolette because Nicole does not really fit the fantasy world. And I'm trying to add my alpha reader group in for book three. I'm trying to add them as character names or something, but their names are like Kelly and Katie and Jasmine. And that is very hard <laughs> to... You- can can we make a request? Can we sure. like make a cameo in here? Oh like, lord! Maybe there's like two characters that uh, announce everything in some way, shape, <laughs> or form, and one is named Derricker, and the other is uh, I don't know Houston or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then and in this corner we have Deer. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, just some type of like. Uh, like maybe we're announcers at like a, uh, what are those things called? Jousting something. Or... Oh my god! Now I'm gonna have to add a whole just... jousting scene. Maybe maybe we're just like two locals at a bar. <laughs> yeah, I'll just have a goblin named. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. you're funny. That's good shit. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll also do one where the person who went through the change but got all messed up. That'd be in Derek. <laughs> Perfect. As if I'm not messed up enough as it is. Thanks. <laughs> I think it was go. your idea to add an extra person that was all messed up from it. No, that was, oh, me. That was me. Oh, well, sorry. That there sounded like an insult okay. since it wasn't you that suggested it. <laughs> I promise it wasn't an insult. Or it could just be two people that have gone through the change that are messed up. You know? One turned into a goblin. One turned into a goblin, right? Doing it's, goblin. it's happening. Okay, fine, fine, do it. <laughs> Make me a goblin. Houston. Houston the goblin. Houston. I, I will say, I'm sure Keith is a very nice person in real life, but in your book, he's a supremely big douchebag. And I'm glad he died a terrible death. He's not that nice. <laughs> oh. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I would tell him to listen to this and agree, but he won't. So. <laughs> he won't listen to it or he won't agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I won't either. He won't listen yeah. to it. He will agree. Actually, he'll agree. He's he's not nice. He's nice to me sometimes. We're good friends. I can call him out. <laughs> awesome. One of the things that I picked out was uh, the tree behind near was glowing and dimmed with 
you know, every one of her breath breaths. And I guess I'm just like, are the tree and like near and her magic somehow linked together? Uh, is or is this like the tree's way of like helping or enhancing whatever? I mean, if it helped her enhance, it would still be connected to her, right? So, I mean, not necessarily. Like, you know, if I were to support you and then be done, right? Versus like, I'm gonna continue. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe you're right, but that's the way that I had it in my head. Canon was just like, is she just momentarily helping? Is the tree momentarily helping? Or are, uh, is, like, the tree linking up to enhance? I don't know. Well, I think, and I don't know if it's in this chapter or the next one. Does she meditate at the tree? No. Okay. Uh, not in either of these chapters. Okay. Well, then there is a scene where she meditates, and it kind of goes more into that. I really thought she did in the cave, but maybe I took that out. There's been so many uh, Well, this, uh, this is not the first time we've seen this, though, Justin. I don't remember if it was in the last two chapters we did, but we did see it kind of in rhythm with her before. I don't yeah. remember that. The cave is the only place with the tree so far. Right. And I was pretty sure she meditated at it, but it was very brief. But maybe, like I said, maybe she didn't because I've had so many versions of this book, so I could just be thinking of something else. Well, um, I feel like in this moment, there wouldn't be a way or uh, any time for her to meditate. So... Were they not um, under the tree eating? No, they were not. I thought that's what they were they doing were. before. No, that was in the last chapter. No. Yeah. I guess I don't remember them eating, but I do remember them being under a tree before and we seeing it pulsating before. Yeah, they were eating. What like they were doing, I don't remember what exactly. What they were like swimming <laughs> in it. They were. They sat down because Gil said... Um, you had food and you didn't tell anybody. And then Gil's like, I didn't think we'd be stuck in this cave. And then he had to go and get the cauldron right. so that they could heat up the water. And they were sitting under the tree. And then they turned. Yes. And then the shadow blades came in. Yes. I'm pretty but, sure. Oh, when they were talking about, like, the book that she found. Yeah, it was after that. It was at the very end of the last chapter. Because while they were sitting under the tree, before Lork ever went outside to fill up. Because he said, he said, I have to fill up this cauldron with the magic juice. Or something like that, yep. that, talking about the water. And so before he ever went outside of the cave, the Shadow Blades came in and kind of ambushed them while they were sitting under the tree. And I'm pretty sure at some point during that chapter, Nier meditated under the tree. It does explain why the trees do that, though. More is explained about the trees in book three. But you do get subtle hints. Huh. I guess I don't remember um, that. And that's probably because it's been a month or two since we... <laughs> You've had a lot of reading done since then, so it's easy to not remember every detail. I am I do have a question uh, that I will ask later, but it does relate to the third book. Can I ask it now? I'll write it down so you don't forget. No, I won't forget. Okay. Yeah, so Lork, Lork is talking with Gil about the Divines. Um, Near fell from her thoughts and gathered what little tinder had fallen from the large tree before setting up a small campfire. She ate her whole meal while Gil sparked a flint and then blew the freshly lit flames. I don't remember that. I feel like I would have remembered that. Instead, you're trying to argue with the author and tell her that she's wrong. So no, I, mean, no, no, no. I think I think wrong. I am wrong. <laughs> I just I think that maybe there's like a near closed her eyes with a frustrated huff. If only she had a coin for every time those two bickered, she could have hired a quiet assassin to replace them on the journey. 
You don't remember? I remember that line. I mean, now that you re- like, I remember reading that. I would have been able to quote that on my own, but now that you read it, I'm like, oh, wait, I, I'm remembering that. Okay, wait. Um, I'm looking mm-hmm. for it. She didn't meditate under it, and you may have just said what I'm reading. I'm sorry. Um, in chapter four, this says page 36. I don't know if that's your page 36, too, because I'm just looking at my Word document. Nier comes up there in the cave. Nier talks about, like, she's looking at the tree, and she's examining. Well, she says, when I meditate or prepare to use it. No, she. I don't think she does meditate. I don't think she does in this chapter, but she does go up to it. She says, Gil, is this a tree like the one in Porister? And he says, looks like it. It's got the same glowing flowers. She stepped to the tree and closed her eyes. Taking a slow breath, she felt the familiar tingle of energy swirling through her. She touched the bark and was filled with warmth and power. With her every inhale, the flowers glowed brighter, and with every exhale, they dimmed. So, okay, it just seems like when she is around it, it just kind of does that. So it would seem as if they are somehow connected because she can feel the swell of magic. And when she breathes, it kind of pulses in and out. So it did it before she was like in dire need of it doing anything for her. Gotcha. Gotcha. It, so we just went on a whole tangent really for no reason. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's good. I mean, like, I, you know, it's all, it's all in the, the sake of understanding the, you know, the story and granted yeah. we're only six chapters in. So there's still a lot of things that will probably get unveiled, but uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I probably should have read the last two chapters before I moved on uh, just to reacquaint myself, but yeah, I would say you could just ask me, but clearly I don't know either. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it's like, it's like asking, it's like asking me to recall what I was thinking at the time of creating a particular piece of artwork. And I'm like, I don't fucking remember. Yeah. But I've read this book like a million times. I talk about it every day. So I should know these things. It's a small detail, but now, you know, see, Without this conversation, you wouldn't have known. Yeah, I knew she did something under that tree. Yeah. Wasn't meditating, though. <laughs> but yeah, the, the trees and everything they do, obviously, um, get more explained. I don't know how... I don't think they really get explained well in book one. And then we see more of what they are about and what they can do in book two. And then you really... Like, more details book three isn't slow now that i'm learning because i thought it was slow but it does kind of go slower in the terms of character development and exposition and stuff like that a lot more stuff is explained um that i didn't really explain in book one or book two so you do learn a lot more about the world and the magic and the trees and stuff like that well it's cool i'm looking forward to that um but yeah i it just it the it, it just intrigued me um and I could see how I missed it in the ch- in the fourth chapter, even if, like, I would have, even if it was still fresh in my mind, um, because they're two different situations, right? Yeah, and it was such a short little thing. It was like a, two paragraphs or something, and then they just kind of moved on. So it wasn't really meant for you to kind of notice until you really, once you get to understand the trees, or if you do a read through, like a reread, after you kind of know what's going on, then you'll start to notice these tiny little things. And you'll kind of piece everything together, which is kind of the idea that I had when I wrote my series is to kind of sprinkle in things you won't notice. And then once you understand it, you go back and you're like, oh, wait, that was that was definitely the beginning. This is what's happening. Right. Yeah. You're you're adding in that rereadability. So, no, that's cool. I really I really appreciate that. Um, The other thing that I just thought was really cool was 
And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it sounds like Lork like kicked this large mercenary in the back of the knee, right? Or I mean, he hit him with a cauldron in my head, but if I didn't write that in there, then it is free to however you want to imagine it. <laughs> I just, just the part where uh, after she like fell to his feet and was coughing and wheezing, mm-hmm. she briefly catches like a glimpse of the mercenary as he like is holding a protruding bone from his shin. So I'm assuming that like Lork just came up and like Spartan kicked him in the back of the leg. I just, it was just a cool vision uh, to have inside of my mind. Uh, it's cooler than my vision, so we'll go with that. Fucking brutal, and I loved it. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, I just had him hitting him with the cauldron in my head. <laughs> I didn't write it in there, so we're just going to go with what you said. That's canon now. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I like I like that I can, you know, uh, add things to the story and take away at the same time. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was a, I don't have a lot of like ooey gooey, like intricate details because it was a very action packed scene, action packed chapter. Um, you know, this whole child of sky thing has got me super interested. But again, there really isn't enough information to really pick that apart, it is just kind of is what it is as, as a standalone statement, um, which I'm assuming we'll get kind of more about that. Potentially, it has something to do with the trees relating there. Just saying. Um, yeah, I, it was it was it was cool. It was really, really cool. I think, Justin, that maybe the trees are the roots of the story. Mm. Look at you, Derek. I'm going to have to start also, taking notes. <laughs> uh, you know, when, when the lady had her arm pinned under the rock, mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that they weren't going to kill her just because that would have been, like, more cold-blooded. I was like, you say you're going to kill her, like, just to ease her suffering, and then you just walk away. Um, and then I'm like, oh, she's probably got a pocket knife. She's going to cut her arm off like that guy in out in Utah that had to do that or wherever it was, like, they made a movie about it. I don't know. It was like four hundred hours. Yeah, that, that, like that's what was going through my head. I'm like, make her cut off her own arm with a pocket knife. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't, don't kill her. That's too brutal. Make her cut her arm off or starve to death. And maybe yeah, exactly. she like comes back to seek revenge, and she's like armless. <laughs> you know, she like stabs someone in the face with her stub, her protruding bone. <laughs> it's just gonna be a story. It's gonna switch. It's going to be a story about her revenge plot. She's going to be the new bad guy. Right. Perfect. I would. I would make if if I had to cut my arm off. I would some. I would find a way to preserve it so I could like use it as a club to beat other people to death with. Well, what if you did like nunchucks? You know, and you just like put your arm at the end of the thing. You just like some whack people <laughs> like, perpetually smacking them in the head. <laughs> that's funny. Oh god, that's good stuff. Play like, what are um, going now? But yeah, I guess. Derek, did you have any final thoughts for this chapter? Um, the uh, who was it? Somebody says they send their regards or something, and I was like, Aiden. "Oh, that sounds like that sounds like Bruce Bolton from Game of Thrones." Yeah, Ooh. Jamie Lannisters or the Lannisters send their regards. Stabby, stabby. Um, but that was the only other thing I could think of. That's a cool comparison. I'll take it. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a good chapter. It's just a uh, you know. I always feel guilty because I don't pick out as much during like the, the more action orientated things or like the more linear 
progressing story elements type of chapters, but it was cool. It was it was awesome to imagine these guys getting in the fight near just disappearing to appear behind the archer and then just slit his throat like, oh, you guys just got here and you're already down one, so fuck you, you know? Bye. Yeah, there's plenty more um, action fights to come. I don't read a lot of books, so I kind of assumed that there were a lot of fights in books and I sort of went a little overboard <laughs> with them. And then, um, <clears throat> not to point any fingers, but my beta reader named Keith told me that people don't like filler and they don't like stuff like that. So I believed him and it was a mistake. So... <laughs> Well, clearly you had to kill him off then. I mean, <laughs> right, you get bad advice, you're going to die. Yeah, he's not helping me. He has not helped me with the rest of the books, just so you know. And they've gotten a lot better. So <laughs> <laughs> He must not read either. <laughs> he said he did. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I like my first book. There's a lot of learning curve to it. And there's it's a lot of action. I mean, you've already seen. I think we've had like three two fights three fights <laughs> chapter six yep yep yeah there's yeah pretty much it's a yeah, dangerous the world only, out there <laughs> the only moment of rest we get was chapter four where you know she finds the book and they're all talking and eating and lork finds all these these magical instruments and starts to annoy the crap out of the other two and yeah <laughs> you just get kind of like some character dynamics there yeah, just strap in your seatbelts. So we there is a fight or something in uh, six, right? Yep. <laughs> oh, God. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> it's not embarrassing. Hey, listening to our first three episodes is cringe as hell. So, uh, yeah, it's all See, good. Got, well, I got to start somewhere, right? That's all <laughs> I got to say. As long as I keep improving. Because now that I'm on book three and I'm like, I compare my writing now to what it was. I'm just like, how is this winning awards? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Well, fair enough well Derek what do you should we say move on to the next chapter here sure um, I realized the question I was going to ask you I believe will be answered in this so um, if it doesn't I'll bring it up um, HC would you like to read your epigraph here since sure. Justin didn't give you that opportunity I don't know I was waiting <laughs> wow mm-hmm. just tossed him under the bus again yeah, yeah. that's what you do it's been a while the nerve all right lifeless and cold they hunt in the night searching for souls to steal but you'd better beware for a drop of your blood gives them a great power to wield tales of the nicks human folklore is that supposed to be like i don't want to say like a nursery rhyme but like kind of i didn't really read it right because i forgot but as i was reading it i was like yeah that's (laughs) i'm not reading it right but yeah, it's kind of supposed to be like, but you better beware for a drop of their blood gives them a great power to wield. You know, kind of like yeah. what kids would say, I guess. Them kids. All right. Uh, you can see that um, <laughs> Justin <laughs> and I have a little bit different format here for doing things. Um, Keeps it fresh. It does. All right. Two days have passed as our heroes rode the horse version of Gil through the marshy wetlands of Leland. Near soaked to the bone, held tight to Lork hoping for any warmth that might escape him. This land was unlike any land she had seen. This land is your Vleland. This land is my Vleland. This Vleland was meant for you and me. There were miles and miles of hills and untamed lands, untouched by villages or roads. Stories of the native Nicks entered Nier's mind, remembering how 
vicious and nasty they were made out to be. Some stories said they could rip the head right off a grown horse. Others said they feasted on human flesh. She shuddered, hoping they were false. You all right? Yeah, just getting cold. She lied as she pulled her cloak around her. She knew if she told Lork these stories, he would panic, so she kept quiet about them. She looked north and saw weathered-looking homes emerging from the mist. It was the first sign of civilization the group had seen since they'd been in Vlaland. The broken homes appeared abandoned and would be perfect hiding places for the nocturnal nicks. Nighttime would soon arrive and turn this potentially safe haven into a feeding ground. Should we stay here? No, we traveled this long without encountering any natives. I don't want to find one tucked inside one of these houses. It'll be dark soon. Stay calm, Law. We'll find somewhere safe. Nir's eyes remained firm on the houses as they rode past without incident, and she was relieved they hadn't alerted any potential residents of their presence. As night descended, glowing moss and plants began to shine in the hills. Orskill walked carefully as nocturnal animals awoke from their daytime slumber to stalk the empty land. Near clutched her sword as a large shadow to the north took form. Her chest tightened, and she was able to exhale a breath of relief as it was only a tree on the hillside. It was the perfect hiding spot. There. We can make camp beneath that tree. Night had fallen and blanketed the area with shadows and darkness. Gil slowly made his way to the tree. Near studied the shadows as they approached. A slight breeze picked up, bringing the smell of rotting flesh and decay to their noses. The vines. Ah! What the hell is that? Quiet. Looking through the fog, her focus shifted to the trees as a low creak came from the branches. Lorik shook in fear while Nir kept silent. Somehow they were able to withhold gags as the smell brought tears to their eyes. The wind shifted and the fog lifted. Looking up into the shadows, Nir saw the lifeless eyes of several dozen Nicks looking back at her as she held her sword close. They hung upside down by a rope tied around their ankles, skin slipping off their bodies, but there were no cuts to them. They'd been left to hang until they simply died. Near. We need to leave. Now. Gil took them carefully over the hillside and directly into a cobblestone village. Near had always been told the Nicks were reclusive and territorial. From what she had seen, that wasn't the case. They lived like anyone else. Silence was interrupted by a low growl of dogs as they crept through the fog. As they made their way deeper into the village, the stench of death was replaced with smoke. Nearly two dozen homes were grouped together in the valley, leaving the group a narrow path through the smoldering ruins. Vines grew over overturned carts and up blood-stained walls. Beady red eyes of small dog-like creatures glowed as they tore flesh off the crispy villager remains. Fear built within Nier as she looked around the ruins, noticing a symbol burned into the grass. She slipped off Gil and ignored Lork's quiet attempt to call her. She walked through the mud to the symbol. It stood for peace and prosperity, loyalty and faith. But to Nier, it meant something else entirely. Smoke rose from the symbol on the ground, and she touched the same marking on her arm. It was a brand she was given at a young age, young enough where she hardly remembered getting it. Perhaps it was the trauma of the situation that caused her to forget. Her mark had faded some, age depriving it of its color it used to have, though it was still there, marking her forever as property of the Order of Sorrow. She climbed back onto Gil, and they carefully continued making their way through the village, trying not to make the sounds that would alert others. 
The hungry pups paid them no mind as they ripped flesh off the perfectly cooked corpses. Lorik closed his eyes and covered his mouth as the blood drained from his face. Nier paid them no mind as she was too focused on the symbols and why the Order had decided to attack Elvish lands. As they approached, the center of town grew colder. There were more bodies strewn about. We have to find shelter. It doesn't look like anyone is here. Not a chance, Nier. Uh-uh. We ain't staying here. It's too dark to travel. More creatures will come. Exactly. This is a feeding ground. You said not to be caught in a home with the Nicks. There isn't a choice. We can't stay out here. Lorik trembled while holding on to Gil's mane. Gil, take us to that home straight ahead. Gil obeyed and made his way through the village. Near caught sight of a shadow in a gap that separated two homes. It knelt among a pack of hungry dogs. Stop. Gil once again obeyed her command. She slipped off Gil's back and her heart skipped a beat as she heard a low but pained grunt from a man mixed in the growls from the dog. Stay hidden. Near charged off in between the two homes towards the stranger. Four dogs surrounded a bloody and injured man. He was down on a knee and swung his sword to keep the dogs at bay. However, the one behind behind him raked his back. With a pained grunt, he turned and stabbed the dog through the chest. It fell to the ground, twitching, and turned to ash as it died. Near jabbed to her right as another dog leapt for the man. As she ran her sword through it, she looked horrified as it also turned to ash. Another dog leapt for her, and she stabbed that one also. She spun, looking for the last dog, and was knocked to the ground as it tackled her. She was scratched, but held it at bay with a hand secured around its throat. She was gifted with its hot breath as its jaws snapped at her. She turned, pushing it and fighting it against its strength. Suddenly, the attack was over as its body turned to ash. The stranger had stabbed it with his sword. She struggled to scramble away to a safe distance between the two of them. As Nier cleared the sooty ash out of her throat, she got a look at the man. His white hair was stained red with blood and clung to his face. His skin tone and eye color told Nier that he wasn't Nyx, and not Elf either, or at least not full-blooded Elf. His face was more round compared to the longer face of the elves, making it easy to mistake him as human. Who are you? His eyes were lit up with ferocity. Looking back at her, she exhaled, exhaled a breath and thought it wasn't unusual for him to not trust her. Their kinds had been fighting for years, and if not for her adoptive elven father, she suspected she would feel the same way. Nindira. Nir became curious as his eyes widened before he turned away. Looking towards the fog and the village, she noticed more and more of the glowing eyes descend on the village. She looked to Lori and Gil standing in the street. Come. Trust. Nir pulled at his arm. <laughs> I was hoping maybe you had, had some Elvish I, words there. I don't think I I don't think I have those words translated. Did, were they written in Elvish in the book? I don't think they were. No, no, they weren't. Uh, okay. <laughs> if it's not written in Elvish in the book, then I don't know. <laughs> I could have made something up. I'll make something up if you want. Hey, whatever you want to do. Oh Lord. I won't put you on the spot. Uh, I didn't know if you were waiting on me or not. <laughs> I figured I'd give you a second and if you said something, I'd roll with it. Uh, I was right. doing the same for you. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I'll just make something up. Okay. Kuro. Iglea. Nier pulled at his arm, and he snatched her away with a groan. She struggled to complete a sentence as more dogs approached, so she st stuck to simple phrases. I. Frina. Iglea. Frina. He held his sword and turned away as more of the creatures appeared. She didn't want to leave him. 
but couldn't risk her friends to save his life. A breath escaped his lungs, and he reluctantly agreed to her help. Standing, he held the wound on his side. She slung his arm around her shoulder to help him walk, but angrily, he pushed her away. As he bled from his side, he limped off towards her friends. He stared at the ground, refusing to meet Lork's eyes, as they both had the same disgusted looks on their faces. Nir held her sword out in front of her as the glowing eyes followed her through the mist. The hisses and the growls closed in around her. She turned to face them. She was prepared to fight them off. Go. The elf looked at her and turned to face the dogs. The anger was clearly visible on his face as he drew a second sword from its scabbard. He stood tall and strong next to Nir despite the blood pouring out his side. The light sound of hooves tapping on the ground caught her attention as Gil became apprehensive. Come on. She grabbed the elf and urged him towards Gil. Lorik sneered but hauled the elf onto Gil's back. Nir grabbed Lorik's hand and looked behind her as the dogs lunged after her. Come on! She climbed onto Gil's back and wrapped her arms around the elf's waist as they raced away from the dogs that followed them. Um, so my, my question was on the pronunciation of Nin, uh, Nindira. I, don't, I guess I don't remember if that was in the book or not, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be like Nindira or Nindira. Um, so that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just Nindira and then like an elfish is Nindira. Dira. Gotcha. So I was I was waiting for you to say that, and that was going to answer my question there. Hey. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing I said it in Elvish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, HC, I'm kind of wondering if you're like a secret serial killer or something, because it starts with small animals, and you work your way up from there, and we've killed <laughs> a lot of animals in this book so far. <laughs> I mean, let's see. Well, first, she killed a person in Chapter 1 with the mercenary that was beating up Lorik. Then she killed the felines that were huge. So then she went to animals. And then she killed more humans, and now she's on to more animals again. So it's kind of just like a pattern she's got going. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure what this said about you as an author here. Like, you're writing this stuff, so maybe there's some personal experience. I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure. Y'all got to quit attributing this to me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get me caught. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> You know, Derek, I'm uh, appreciative that you didn't like make me do animal noises, even though I did. I should have. The end there. <laughs> you guys heard I that, had, right? I guess I don't remember, to be perfectly honest. You didn't. You didn't hear me make the the horse noise and the clopping sound at the end there. <laughs> I didn't know no. What, you were doing. what the fuck is going on with my mic? Do it again. I went. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I definitely didn't hear that. I saw you doing that with your mouth, and I was like, what are you doing? Because no noise was coming out. Did you have yourself muted? Like, no, I, I like left it unmuted because I thought I would catch y'all by surprise and it didn't fucking work. But <laughs> no, it definitely would have caught me off guard. <laughs> I did hear it, but I was just like, what is he doing? And then, <laughs> and then it showed you, and you were just like, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I guess you could have had, had a couple coconut halves to, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, like make the horse hook nice. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, that we're makes gonna, your mic gonna... go out every time you do it. Huh? Your mic goes out when you do that. That is so dumb. Fuck you, Mike. <laughs> Does it do it? Did mine go out? No. No, I heard you. I didn't yeah, hear no, Justin, though. Justin, you're going to get, uh, like, a coconut and cut it in half. That's what we're going to do. 
Mm, all right. Well, y'all are hearing me fine, though, right? I think it's just the clicks are probably too loud. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, well. If it shows up in the recording, great. I'll use it. <laughs> you have to make it super, super loud so people think we're the crazy ones. You're like, Probably. how do you not hear that? Yeah. Oh, well. Okay, well, um, I guess two ships passing in the night on that one. Cool. <laughs> um, the Knicks, I'm kind of wondering if maybe they're just putting up a front. Like, they want people to be afraid of them. You know, so they got all these rumors <laughs> about how vicious and nasty they are. And maybe they're not. Or maybe something nastier just you know, killed a couple dozen and strung them up in the trees. I don't know. I think it's fun to think that they're like a, a peaceful creature. I think that like the point is, is there were Nicks who have all these terrible reputations are strung up by their feet is supposed to enhance the severity of the situation. Sure. I just, we got the author right here. I'm asking you, what do you mean? <laughs> like if the Nicks are supposed to be as, ruthless and cruel as the stories say as the epigraph alluded to the order of sorrow comes in and demolishes them well not you know not like takes them out but you know makes an example of the nicks by hanging them up by their feet and just letting them die in a very torturous way i think it kind of elevates and we even see that from Nira, she reacts um, to this. Like, because at first it seems like they were going to make camp underneath this tree um, that would essentially hide them from whatever is around. And no, they can't stay there because, like, that's, that's a pretty brutal scene to hang about. So that's why they continued to move onward, is the way that I took that. Yeah. I mean, it would seem that based on what Nier said and based on the village and how everyone in it seemed to be dead, that the humans were definitely wrong and that the stories were wrong. You do learn more in a footnote about the Knicks um, in chapter 13. That's what I was just looking for when you were talking, um, because I wasn't sure it would have been more fitting <laughs> in this chapter. But it kind of leaves a little to the imagination until you kind of figure it out. You don't really know anything about them just yet. Um, but you do learn a little bit more about them. Um, so you can kind of formulate your own opinions. And then, um, yeah, and then I have plans for book five for us to really get to know the Knicks. Hmm. Okay. So. so the Order of Sorrow, I'm assuming they are looking for Nier. And this is the reason why they're devastating this town. So it seems because they and are. The dogs are just being dogs and scavenging for the mm-hmm. food about so yeah and these aren't like normal dogs they're like leather bony creaky weird things um but yeah i mean you know that the order's after her you know that there's a bounty for her you know that the bounty hunters have these glowing stones and they have come into enemy territory to find her um so it would also seem that the order has come there or someone with the order has come there to find her, and they're just kind of, you know, taking everybody out with them, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, did these villagers get in the way, or is this just kind of accentuating the cruelty of the Order of Sorrow? I don't know. I'm only on Chapter 6. Hmm. <laughs> You're funny. You're funny. <laughs> okay. give you all the answers. What so that's a Rafa moment. Okay, well, all right. Well, then we'll just, we'll just read on and find out. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get spoilers. 
Uh, I don't like spoilers. Yeah, even though they seem to be uh, like a beach ball connecting to your face all the time. <laughs> I don't. I don't get what you're saying. I'm trying to say <laughs> that they come out of nowhere and smack you in the face. Oh, okay. I was just being nice. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> well, like I thought you were. Thing. I appreciate I share the pain. <laughs> I didn't know if you were uh, like referencing our Dead House Gate spoiler that I come I, across I, somehow. Yes. Okay, gotcha. I have a question. <clears throat> yeah. What was the? This is your Vloland. This is my Vloland. This Vloland is for you and me. What was that about? I don't know if that was a reference, but it was really random. I it's it was a fun. song. This is <laughs> my land. Is my, yeah, this I just is your land from the New York Islands to the Redwood Forest or whatever the fuck that is. I wasn't oh expecting you to actually sing. Uh, when I was with me. When, when I was reading it, it just and writing it, it just popped into my head. So, that was so I do funny. that from time to time. I loved um, it. I laughed when I read it. I laughed on the camera. <laughs> he was laughing. I was laughing. It was funny. <laughs> well, I, I know. I, I heard you. And then I guess I wasn't sure if you read these ahead of time or not, or if it just completely caught you off guard. So <laughs> No, I did. And I left a little laughing face on there for you. <laughs> oh, I missed that then. Um, it is his draft swords. <laughs> but um, so I made like a big, huge oopsie. Because he was supposed to have draft swords in book one. And I don't think I ever explained them as being draft swords at all. Wait. There, we've I, got a picture. I think I do. But I don't really like explain them. So I, I guess I had like the problem. Uh, I think I do. So would this picture here, right mm -hmm. before chapter seven, is that only in the collector's edition books or no? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think in chapter seven is when when it's actually described like as being enchanted or whatever. So I do explain them, but I don't really like go into detail about what they can do. And I don't even really think that they really glow or anything. Like I don't really focus on them too much and I really wish that I would have. Um, but at least I'm glad that I did explain that they were enchanted. Cause I, for some reason just, I was thinking that I didn't and they're just randomly enchanted in book two. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, so these are the swords that this like half elvish, half human character has, right? Is that what we're talking about? Okay. Yeah, those are his. Those are his dual wielding swords. So they're they're giraffe swords. They're what? Giraffe swords. I don't they ever think I've heard of that pattern term. on them. Yeah, look at him. It looks like a giraffe. Oh, I thought you were saying something else. I thought you were saying drappy. I'm like, what the oh. hell, drappy sword? <laughs> now, now we're the ones that aren't making any sense. <laughs> I guess it's your turn, so... <laughs> no, they look like a draft pattern. And the artist that I used, um, his name is Daniel Williamson, and he's also an author. Um, he did amazing. It just didn't turn out, like, in my head, because the in my head it was, like, super thin little, like, veins kind of going through. So it was very subtle, but it was, that's really hard to draw. So he, like, freehanded the swords and, like, drew them by hand, and I was like... It, that's perfect. It's much better than I could do. And then, of course, it had to get pointed out to me that they look like they have draft patterns on them. <laughs> so thank you for that. So now they are the draft swords. I'll take a stab <laughs> at it. Ooh. Uh -oh. All right, Pooch. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Justin. Oh. <laughs> this is what I do. This is what I do. Um, you also left a note that said 
whenever they went to the cobblestone village that was all burned up you said this is the same town or a different one yeah and i think it was just a matter of wording like in my head because it, it i was a little confused i was like are they still like in that same town um i don't know what time I feel, the one that they're in but i so i feel like like to me in my head like reading that where I wouldn't have questioned if it was a different town or not, it would say, you know, led them. And maybe that was just a fuck up on my end. Maybe I just typed it wrong, but it said directly into a cobblestone village. So I was like a village. So like, is it the same one that they're already in or are they like the next town over now or something? You mean like whenever they were passing by the houses and Lork was all afraid and they were staring at them. Yeah. Or the Knicks, the Knicks were occupied. Oh yeah. So that was, might have been my fault because those were just like like one or two houses. That wasn't really a village that they passed. It was just like houses just kind of like scattered. Oh, like on the outskirts of town or something? Yeah, they were just like, because there's not really like civilization there so far. All that they've seen is just like broken pillars or uh, you know, like ruins or just like a, a random little house here or there. But then she came up to the actual village and she was like, they actually have villages here this it's weird because they usually people say that they don't live like this. They don't, you know, have community, but they did. But yeah, I can see where you would get because I was like, "What village are you talking about?" I thought you meant I thought you meant the cabin from chapter one. I was like, "He definitely cannot oh, be thinking that." <laughs> no, no, I was not, I was not thinking that. No, okay, no. <laughs> okay, because that's where I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, so no. No, that that could have definitely been my fault um if i didn't make that clear because that is a little confusing yeah i mean it threw me off or at least made me question it so sorry that's okay that's why i'm glad we can talk to you and so it can be cleared up some things can get cleared up sometimes i have to go back because um justin likes to ask questions that i don't have the answers to <laughs> what are you talking about i feel like you have questions for or you have answers for all my questions i had to read about the meditating thing although i did bring that up <laughs> see you did <laughs> You brought that upon yourself. I did. I was still gonna play. And closed it. Uh, like Justin, I didn't have a ton here, but my other, I guess, talking point, you know, we just see Lorik beat the hell out of a guy with a cauldron. And in the next chapter, he's given Gil a golden shower instead of <laughs> helping, helping Nier kill some dogs. And so I just think it's interesting that we see it like, like, yeah, he's got these moments where he just like the adrenaline's pumping and he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill a guy. And like, it's a person. Like, I, I, I guess I'd, if I, given the choice, I'd probably be less scared to kill a dog than a person. Um, so I thought that was interesting that, you know, that was that different, I guess. Yeah. And you have to think of it too, that the person that he killed wasn't facing him. So he didn't know he was coming. And he was also killing his best friend. So it was kind of like a like do or die situation. And there's like a huge pack of creepy, ravenous, carnivorous, just disgusting dogs. And they're all chasing after them, like trying to devour them. So it's kind of. It, it wasn't quite do or die yet at that point. <laughs> yeah, basically, Lork's kind of a lover, not a fighter. But if someone he loves is in a fight and they're in peril, and there's really no other choice, he'll kind of step in, is how it seems so far. So we'll see. He's a he's an interesting cookie. We'll see how it goes. He is interesting, because like, I guess I don't know about you, Justin, but like when I'm reading a book, 
I just like if I when I'm reading something like like I envision myself as a character. So I like, you know, like I kind of try to get in that headspace. I'm like, and both of these seem very worthy to me to like step in and take some action. And so it's just kind of like, like what, why are you just sitting around all scared and everything? So. Well, Lauren also doesn't really have a weapon. So he's not really. And also that elf is pretty injured. And Gil is a horse. <laughs> so, like, really, it's just near <laughs> and an injured elf that can can really do anything. And also, as we can kind of see in the chapter, there's a lot of tension between Lork and the elf. They're kind of, like, glaring at each other. They don't really want to be around each other. The elf doesn't even want Nier's help. He doesn't want to get on the horse. So, it's kind of like, he's also like, I don't want to, I just want to leave. I don't want to be around here. I don't want to be outside in this place. Everybody's dead. Like there's an elf here. There's creepy things chasing us. I just want to get somewhere that is safe. It's kind of how I think so, been. I guess my question is, is like, is this little village meant to be a Nick's village? Yes. Kind of alluding to, okay. So what is a half elvish, half human doing strolling through a very dangerous place as well? And, you're asking good the question. big questions, Justin, because I didn't think of that. It's a good question. That is a good question. Those, are one of those examples don't you don't have an answer. He's just there. Why not? Maybe he lives there. Hmm. Maybe he's one that attacked. Maybe he, yeah, maybe he's the one that killed them all. No, maybe it was the Order of Sorrow. We know that. Well, we know the Order he, hates elves. So it'd be very interesting if they had a half elf on their team killing elves <laughs> for them. <laughs> he's a mole. Goes in just double agents hacking and slashing all of them. I don't know if it was in this chapter. It may be in the next one where Nier kind of reflects on that, and she she also kind of wonders like, what? Who are you? What are you doing here? Why? Why are you here? Did you do this to these people? Kind of thing. Sure. Kind of. I think she may ask him that. Going through the the questioning phase of like, why were you there when you were there? Yeah. And what are you doing? Did you do this to these people? Should we trust you? Should I have saved you? sort of things. No, it makes things sense. are a little suspicious. According to other readers, Nier asks a lot of very good questions. So that questions that you have, she will probably wind up asking. Okay. All right. You may not get an answer, but she will ask it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um yeah, I mean I thought the the chapter again, you know, it was, it was very linear in the you know the fact that they've been traveling for two days and now we get to another section um or another scene so to speak where there's some confrontation there's some new elements that have been introduced a new character that has been introduced and um kind of left in a little bit of a cliffhanger because at the very end they all hop on gill and they're booking it for their lives so i would imagine i would imagine that the dogs are probably still chasing them at this point yeah I'm, i guess i'm excited to to read on and I will probably be doing that when I'm sitting in my hotel in Dallas, Texas for the next three days. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Um, just any predictions for what we'll see here in the next two chapters, Justin? Well, I'm I'm hoping that we kind of get some answers uh, to this, this Elvish character. Um, but I think that they're probably going to be on the run. Maybe they'll have a momentary cool down. And then uh, if the pattern is the same, uh, there'll be another uh, confrontation of some kind is what I'm going to predict. With who, though, I have no idea. 
Maybe some more Shadow Blades. I think our heroes will discuss the differences between European and African swallows, and they may arrive at a bridge where they have to answer riddles to cross. Okay. HC, your predictions? <laughs> he, was, he was actually kind of close with that. <laughs> I'm like, have you read the next chapter? <laughs> uh, no, I have not. 100% have not. <laughs> you're like, you're close, but you're not. You'll see. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Do we know, like, what they are doing right now? Like, where they're going? I think you do, right? Like, you know their plan. They're going back to that one town. I can't remember. Okay. So, when they left the... Uh, See, I don't know if they talked about it. Yeah, I think they talk about it in the next chapter, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, when they're in the entrance to the cave, uh, at the end of the second chapter, they're like talking about where they want to go. At Lyst yeah. or Lynn. But then she finds the um, the book that talks about um, the tree and oh. dog or the, the trials of blood and all that. Yeah. Um, I think in the next chapter, they actually like tell you their plan and what's actually going to happen. So I'm trying to think. And unless it was in the exposition, I don't know if it was explained in these two chapters. Because um, I was going to say something about it. But um, let me see. Might have to wait for the next episode. Previously on Lost. Right. Okay, yeah, no. Oh, wait. Hold on. They do explain it. Oh, no. They don't. That's chapter eight. What chapter are we on? We're on we will be reading seven and eight. eight next. Five and six. Okay, no. They don't explain it yet. So we will find out like what the actual plan is and the plot and all that, like the main what's happening. The main um, story beats. So my prediction, <clears throat> as if I've only read to chapter six, my predictions would be that we're probably going to be in another fight soon because that seems to be a recurring theme with this book. So I'm expecting a fight. I'm expecting some tension with this half elf. We'll probably join the party. I don't know. Probably won't. I think he will though. Um, and we'll find out more about what's going on with the villagers. That's what my prediction would be if I was only on chapter six. I'm, I'm hoping Lork finds another new musical instrument. Besides a lute? Yeah, he's going to be the one-man band. He's the bard of destruction. Like yeah. he's, yeah, he's just, yeah. He's going to be singing his way to wherever they go. Pretty much. He's got his, he's got the ocarina. I don't know if he took that. I think he did. It broke. These guys loot. And everybody was really sad. That was the first ocarina he found. Yeah, the one that made oh, it right Because he couldn't dance? Oh, he got another one? I guess I don't remember that. No, so he got one in the cave. And near him and Nier both thought that it was enchanted because a long time ago he found an ocarina. And when he would blow in it, it would make everybody dance. It was like enchanted That's to make right. you dance. And then one day gotcha. it just randomly busted. And Nier doesn't know how. Sure, I think she broke it. <laughs> Maybe. That may or may not be in her prequel, because I am planning to do a prequel novella of Nier um, when she is in the Brotherhood before the start of the books. So that'll be really fun, just to kind of ha add in all of their misadventures with her and Loric and all the things that they talk about in book one. I kind of am probably going to put those in so you can kind of actually see them happening. That's my plan. Yeah. Anyway. That would be cool. So that's my plan. And my plan is also because you know how book one, it starts off like mid scene. I kind of had the idea to end her prequel novella at the scene. So it like completes the scene. So if you read the no prequel novella and you just keep going, it'll go right into book one. I thought that was a really cool idea. 
That so, is a cool idea. Yeah, I like that. So we'll see. I don't know how it's going to work out. That's the plan, but everything changes once I start writing it. So, but that's not going to come until um, book five and a half. Between book five and six is when you're going to get her prequel novella. And we got to get. We got other ways to go then. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> what like so? What is what is your like to do like, like one a year then or? That was my however plan. long it takes. That my plan or my goal is one a year. I wanted, like I said, to have book three out in July, but I never, ever, ever rush myself. I never give um, dates, like a release date, because I don't want to have to force myself. Like somebody, um, another author friend that I have, he said that his book is supposed to be released in like 40 days. So he's going to have to write two chapters every day or something. And I was like, I could never do that. I could never like, and that's just me. Like he can do it and that's fine. I just can't do that. So I've always said late 2023, book three will come out. And then as it kind of started to get a little closer, I was like summer of 2023 and then late summer of, you know, I kind of get closer and closer, but, um, so that's the goal. I want to do a book a year and then every six months between a novella, if I can, but when it comes out, out. that's cool. It seems ambitious. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, you still have five days of this month. I mean, you could just power through it. I have a lot left to do. <laughs> uh, so I'm definitely, uh, my my plan right now, if things go smoothly, because I am nearing the end, I'm in the final act of book three. I don't have very much left. I just have a lot of reworking to do mostly. I want to have it published by September 30th, like out and ready. So I need my alpha readers to read it, that I need to have it back. I need to send it to the editor, that I need to send it to my ARC readers, and I need to get my book tour started. So there's like a lot of like moving parts so I think September 30th might be good, hopefully before that, but that's the end goal is no later than September 30th is what I'm hoping. I feel like that would be a hard, like, you know, if you got to move things around. I feel like if I was going to write something, I'd be really stubborn with that, or I'd be like, no, that's not how this is. Um, I don't know if I would have the fortitude and the patience, I guess, for that to, I guess, take criticism on what I wrote. Or, uh, I mean, because obviously, like, you have this plan in your head of what you want it to be. And I suppose, I mean, that's why you have these readers to maybe help shape things and stuff. But I, I feel like I would struggle with that. If, with my first book, I really did. And that's why I only had one beta reader. For one, I was scared. I don't want anybody to take it because I had spent 10 years writing it. And it, I mean, it really wasn't very good in the first draft. It was only 40-something thousand words. And then my beta reader, that Keith guy helped me, and we got up to 84,000. And then... Like how fast paced it is now, it was even more fast paced when I first released it because now it has 125,000 words. But when I first published it, it had 84,000. So there was a lot of stuff that was not in it that's in it now. Um, so I was just really scared that somebody's going to take it or they were going to like do something with it. You, you just don't know. So I kind of have gotten over that a little bit. Like I'm cautious, but I'm not. Like I had 30 alpha readers sign up. And I have 16 of them that are actually getting the book. So I'm a little bit more relaxed about it. And I also understand that the criticism that I got with book one from beta readers who stopped wanting to help me because I would not accept their help because I was like, you're wrong. That's not the right approach. (laughs) So you just kind of have to take it more as like open-minded, I guess. And my book is pretty successful right now. So it kind of helps to validate me in my own mind that, yeah, some people aren't going to like it, but a lot of people do like it. So clearly I, I must be doing something right, you know? 
if it wasn't doing sure. good, if it wasn't doing good and everybody kept saying it was bad, then I would probably cry myself to sleep. But <laughs> luckily that's not the case. <laughs> I feel like that would be hard to rebound from if like that happened. If so, if everybody was just like, this is just a steaming pile of shit. Like, well, oh, okay, well I was going to write seven books, but I guess I'm just not going to write anymore now. There, there were a lot of tears and there was a lot of, uh, like ups and downs because like I said, when I first published it, it wasn't like nearly as good as it is now. And it still needs work now, but I mean, I don't think it's bad or anything. I'm, I feel like I'm talking people out of reading this book. It's great. Read it. <laughs> like, it does need work. It's not perfect. And before, cause this is the second edition. So before, like I said, it was very fast paced. There was no filler. There was no like nothing. It was just like raw and people were like, this book needs work. So, you know, when you put that much work and you think it's awesome and then people really are saying that, it really hurts. So then I redid it and I wasn't really getting, I was selling like one book a month or something. So like nobody was buying it, nobody was reviewing it. So, you know, it's, it's hard because some people really do. They, I feel like I just kind of got lucky that, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work. So it's kind of luck and it's also kind of hard work because I put in a ton of work to market my book. But, you know, they're it is hard whenever you aren't getting like attention and you're not seeing sales or people are like, yeah, this book really isn't that great. So then no one's really looking at it. It's a tough pill to swallow for sure. But now if people leave me bad reviews or they're like, yeah, this book isn't great. I just kind of like, it is what it is. Like I'm proud of it. I'm, I did the best that I could and I'm learning from all the things that I've learned from. And if you don't like it, that's fine. Like not, and not every book's for everybody. I think that's the hard part as like, having a creative mind and putting your work out there. Like I commend you. I, I still struggle with posting my work because it's always like 95% polished. There's always that like 5% to take it over the edge that I just, for whatever reason, never get around to. And I think that even within myself, I should just say, fuck it and, and do it anyway, because at the end of the day, a lot of people don't take into account the journey an artist makes into putting their work out there. And yeah, they can hate it. Yeah, they can dislike it. You know, that's their opinion. But it's, uh, it's, it's more your journey that matters. Yeah. And I mean, it is kind of brave to put yourself out there because when you do, you're going to be judged. And it is art, like writing is art. So it's a creative thing and not everybody views that the same. That's kind of what it's meant for. So like the style that I have may not be the style other people have. So yeah, it is brave and it is hard. It's hard to just kind of put everything that you've done that come directly from your mind out there. Cause you don't want people thinking that's crazy. Looking at y'all think I'm a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say it. Derek did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, He's just like, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, I think uh, this this episode turned into a chapter review as well as a small interview from the author. <laughs> you can cut all this out probably, if you want to. It's okay. Probably wrap it up for this particular episode. That and we gotta, I gotta get some food in me before we head off to lacrosse, lacrosse game. So, hate to cut it um, short. I just have two quick things. Um, first one, I was really afraid to read this book at first, um, because I thought, I thought maybe I saw you send a tweet or something, or I thought I saw something somewhere that it was first person. 
The only book I can remember trying to read that was in first person was Name of the Wind, and I just fucking hated it. Um, I just and so I was really nervous that that was going to be your your book That's that it was funny. in first person, and I was going to be like, oh god, what am I doing? Um, and the second thing, thank you for writing the book and and talking with us and doing this with both of us. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, and I hope y'all still enjoy it and want to keep reading it. Like I say, I get nervous because. I don't know. I know it's really fast paced and I know it's kind of like one thing after the other. It's fun though. A lot of people really like it. A lot of people think it's fun. So I hope that you guys like it. I think it's fun too. I'm having fun. Very much. Yes. It is a lot of fun to do this. So I don't, I don't foresee us just dropping your book. Awesome. We got six more to go. Five more to go. I need to learn math. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like eventually we'll catch up. We'll catch up to uh, your writing pace. Probably. It takes me forever to write a book. As as I would imagine, probably you know, probably by the fourth one, we'll have read the third one uh, before the fourth one gets published. So, yeah, it'll it'll be cool. I'm I'm excited to see where these characters go and how everything all turns out and all these crazy friggin' uh, cliffhangers you're leaving us on. So, <laughs> be prepared. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Awesome. Well, uh, again, I guess thank you very much, HC, for joining us again. Thank you for having me. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm glad that uh, you like both of my voices, so maybe I'll intermix them. Um, you have a new Goblin Gilly just every once in a while when we don't expect it. All right. I can think I can remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess I'll bid you all a, a, a do. Have, have a good night, night, guys. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. See ya. Bye.